This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What is up, my party people? Welcome back to the Rebuttal Podcast. My name is, as always, Reb Maisel, your host. And yeah. Not only are we back for a full episode, okay, lovely, gorgeous, awesome, amazing, but we are back for me, your girl, Reb, recording an entirely new episode after getting halfway through the one she was recording because she suddenly decided that it. she didn't really feel like talking about that anymore. She wasn't really vibing with that case anymore. Not that she won't ever do an episode on it because we have literally half of a fucking episode worth of one-liners that, not to toot my own fucking hizzle, my own horn, pretty funny, pretty ha-ha, funny laugh, me slapping. Um, But I literally just, just stared at myself and then hit stop. Because I thought, you know what? I thought, I don't feel like talking about this anymore. Actually, at all. I want to talk about something else. So the outcome of that, right? My crippling character traits as a person in not being able to do quite literally anything that I am not fully about, okay? Especially if it's in my my own control and power. Uh, Yeah, that is that brings us to right now where an entirely new episode is being created filmed and recorded based on don't worry based on two cases that I already was fucking planning on talking about anyway tonight is all about the law needing to account for some freak fucking accidents some freaks okay some holy shit how could anyone have predicted that type shit, okay? Talking about the two cases that have really been on my mind for whatever fucking reason. And I honestly think it's because I have really been a train gal lately, okay? I've been really nostalgic reminiscing about the times when I was living in Switzerland and I got to take public transportation all the time, trains especially, okay? Going from Geneva to Montreux, Switzerland, um, is quite literally what I imagine, right? Beauty and the Beast, like running through her fucking field and shit. Beauty, Miss Bell, um, and the mountains and the gorgeous, like it's literally a fucking fairy tale. Um, and of course, because of my line of work and my intrusive fucking thoughts, 
first thing I think about when I'm reminiscing about that, those gorgeous, those gorgeous train rides, right? To Zermatt and fucking the Matterhorn and shit. I'm like, damn, there's so many fucking train related freak accidents in the law. And if you are one of the many law students that listens to this podcast, you are going to assume that I'm going to be talking about the Paul's Graph case. No, I'm fucking not. Okay. Chillax. Chaloodle. I, I'm not, I don't hate myself that much, right? But for the last time, okay, I promise, I pinky swear to my law students in, in quite a few episodes, I believe, based on what I've planned, for the last time, I'm going to be talking about two cases that you may or may not have heard about in law school. So many, right? And no, I'm not going to talk about the most recent ones that we can think of with respect to, you know, train derailments that absolutely and permanently threaten our environmental stability and integrity even more for the next infinite years. Those those are a dime a dozen these days. Do you know what I mean? Like I feel like, isn't there a clock somewhere? Like I think it's in New York, London, somewhere big. It's a big ass clock that's counting down the hours, minutes, seconds until like everything's irreversible, like environmental damage. Um, I feel like, I feel like at this point, you know, when you were like a little kid, I mean, at least when I was in elementary school, I remember we would have these big talks about, oh, like how to like lower your carbon footprint. And now I feel like everyone's just stomping around in the comfiest boots we possibly can in our fucking goddamn carbon footprint because, um, yeah, it's not our fucking fault. Uh, it's all the corporations, all the evil people's fault, and uh, they're going to fuck us regardless. So might as well go out with some fuzzy socks on, a good, you know, arch support sneaker as we march into the zero, right? The end timer of that big clock counting down when it's too fucking late. Um, but, you know, the we knew, we know, we've been new, okay, about all of that. I'm not here to talk to you about some horrible train derailment that's just going to make you feel sad. Uh, I will absolutely talk about cases that will make you feel sad. I will be crying on this podcast eventually. Hopefully. <laughs> if this podcast is what it's supposed to be, I should be in shambles before all of you. Another, another brand, another genre of cases that I like to talk about too are always with respect to like employer, employee, drama the amount of fucking drama there is to be had in employment law i mean all of you can can imagine it because all of you are fucking probably living it right have observed the wackiest craziest shit happen in a work environment it doesn't matter if you are in the most stuffy highbrow suited up every day ma'am and mister work environment or if you're literally working back of house at a tja fridays worker employee employee employer employee drama is so fucking gnarly and so fucking trashy it's so nuts crazy shit goes down uh in the workplace and in both of these scenarios it involves some workplace drama that i am very positive and very sure absolutely kept the juicy goss flowing for months afterward, right? Like these people who were the subjects of these lawsuits were the talk of the town. 
they were the urban legend that you hear about, right? Shit goes down and you never live it down ever. Like people at a job you just started at 30 seconds ago will give you the full government name of someone who wronged them six years ago who may or may not be in a completely different field and profession now, but who you could absolutely Google and find on LinkedIn. Like, I am forming against my own will judgments, attachments, hatred, resentment toward bitches I will never fucking meet ever in my life. The only type of loyalty that I want other than just very deep, loving, romantic, familial friendship loyalty is the type of workplace loyalty that you can only see when two people come together to fucking hate somebody, right? I love that shit. And this totally could be saved for a bonus episode, but I literally have to share it with you because it's so fucking nuts and insane. And this episode is already so fucking nuts and insane because again, like I fucking just discussed, I just recorded half of a fucking episode about a different case and then decided to go fucking AWOL. So y'all are just going to have to sit and fucking bear it. Okay, this case, my friend, my best friend Alyssa, her mom sent it to her, apparently, okay? Which, like, in and of itself, I have questions. Her mom is just, look, this is what my, my other friend Ethan said about Alyssa's mom. Look, she has the ear for the news and the heels to go catch up right? She is, her fingers on the pulse of what is happening, of what is good, of what is gnarly, of what is fresh that's going on, okay? Around and about and above. Okay, listen to this, you guys. Please just listen to this. And I, mind you, okay, I am merely reading from a fucking article with zero fucking context. Like, I will not be telling you, Red Measle, I have questions about that case you talked about. I do too, bitch. Like, I fucking do too. I don't have all the answers, okay? Sometimes I, like Alyssa's mother, have the ear for the news and the heels to go report on it, but I sometimes I'm not catching it. And this one I definitely don't want to catch. <laughs> Great segue. The title of this article is 2022, okay? Woman says she was infected with STD after janitor urinated in her water bottle. Please. Lucio Diaz, 50 years old, has been charged after allegedly dipping his penis into a water bottle, infecting a woman with an STD. Do I have guesses as to where this is located, where this took place? You're right, Houston, Texas. A married mother of two daughters. I love how that's relevant. Okay, I'm sorry. Queen, I am a single woman with one cat, and that shit is equally as horrifying. Okay, let's not play faves with with being assaulted and battered by someone who gave you fucking STD by putting their dick in your fucking water bottle. A married mother of two daughters. Like, happy mothers say, yeah, and like, totally, I feel for you, sis. But like, so if I was a single bitch with no children, suddenly my water bottle can be dick flavored. I don't know. I feel like that's just like kind of discriminatory. Okay. 
A married mother of two daughters says she was infected with an incurable sexually transmitted disease after a janitor tainted her water bottles at her office. Lucio Diaz, 50, has been charged with indecent assault and aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. <laughs> you guys. This isn't funny. This is not funny at all. But I have not read this article in full. To be completely fucking honest with you, I mostly just read the fucking title and was like, screenshot, 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 scroll. Really great thing to talk about with a deadly weapon is just absolutely setting me in a fucking orbit like like yes it is a deadly weapon i'm not making fun of the description that is the very accurate description he was charged properly it is a deadly weapon it is biological warfare it, it deadly weapon it could kill you for sure right but <laughs> I'm just imagining him. I'm just, this is what I'm fucking imagining, okay? Is him in his fucking, you know, prison cell and, you know, all the fucking psycho crazy bitches who like try to pen pal and fuck like violent, horrible criminals, okay? I'm not saying that criminals and people, criminals, not really, right? People who are, who are convicted of crimes like don't deserve love and happiness and light. I totally get that. But, and I agree with that, but I'm talking about like the bitches who like were after 10 Bundy. You know what I mean? Like the bitches who were like, I don't care that you've killed all these women, like, eh, and like send him nudes. Like that, those are the bitches that I'm talking about, okay? In this scenario, I'm literally imagining this guy, like in order to solicit, okay, maybe like reel in some of those girlies. He's like in his letters, like, look, not to toot my own horn or anything, but. Even the police said that it was a deadly weapon. Like, I'm going to be honest, that kind of goes hard. Like that, that, that prison bird bio, right? Dating app situation. What is it called? Jailbird. Jailbirdies. The Iron Nest. I don't fucking know. Like, come visit my fucking lair. Uh, yeah, that, that hinge bio would go fucking hard literally a copy of the affidavit of your indictment assault with a deadly weapon oh what was the weapon you already know what it is he was charged with indecent assault and aggravated assault with a deadly weapon both charges are related to the same victim this individual is a sick man quote the 54 year old victim who did not want to be identified told abc 13 properly so don't try to identify her thank you in august Oh, God, y'all. In August of 2022, she noticed a foul smell in the employee water dispenser at the doctor's office on the East Freeway where she works. Doctor's office? I know America is like 27th in healthcare in the entire world, but... At this point, I think we all need to, like I said in my last episode, take stock, right? We need to regroup. We need to get so fucking for real. I will resort back to some Civil War ass fucking no penicillin, don't know what a fucking scab infection is, amputating my arm with some rum, 
and a piece of wood to bite down on, I will go back to that. I will vote for that if I can avoid this shit. Mark my words. Thank you. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply after she noticed the foul smell in the employee water dispenser at the doctor's office on the East Freeway where she works, she vowed to drink only from water bottles that she brought to work. Good for her. Then in late September, she thought her own water bottle had been tainted with urine. Court records show a urinalysis confirmed it. But it was the spy camera that she bought that left no questions, she said. Please. She shared only a still image from the video, but allowed ABC 13 to watch it in its entirety. Quote, pulls out his penis and puts his penis in my bottle, basically rinses his penis in the water. Further testing brought devastating news. Quote, I learned I acquired an STD for which he also tested positive for. He gave me an STD I will have for the rest of my life. Nothing is going to change it. Nothing will make it better for me. In fact, I feel like for the rest of my life, I will, ha I will have to be careful. That is horrifying. Genuinely so. I cannot even imagine. This is the type of. Not to like segue into the two cases I'm going to be talking about, but this is literally absolutely a freak accident because it's not a fucking accident. It's a freak show. Okay. It's a fucking shit show that like you're, you're thinking, oh, I work in a fucking doctor's office. Hey, just fucking random question for you. What are the fucking odds do you think, give or take, plus or minus, of a janitor working in the building sticking his fucking infected penis in your, your specific water bottle every single day um, until you get an STD. What do you think the over-under is on that? I would guess pretty – right? You think a year ago she would have guessed this shit? No, she fucking wouldn't have. Oh, my God. That's the worst – I think that's the – I mean, that's the worst part of it is just like there was not like – how do you even explain that to someone? No, no, I, I I, didn't get an STD, you know, doing something fun. No, actually, the opposite. You want to hear about it? Okay. 
hold my beer. Oh my God, I feel for this woman. I'm so sorry. I'm so fucking sorry. That sucks. The victim said Diaz continued to work at the building even after management was notified. No. Oh, yeah. See, wow, this is a beautiful fucking segue. Wait, you guys, can I just say right now that I was not fucking aware that this case would be both employment related and freak intentional accident related because that's literally what we're about to talk about. Um, this is so I love when shit works out. See, I was right in canceling my prior case halfway fucking through to roll with this. The building's owner, okay, the fucking alleged employer who literally heard, oh, his dick's in a bottle. Maybe bring your own. Get a cap. Get a cap with a lock on it. <laughs> they said, quote, our management company immediately cooperated with the police department in this matter as soon as we were made aware of this potential issue by our tenant. They were advised by the police to not alert or approach the alleged perpetrator so that he could be arrested. He was arrested when he had returned to the building. For sure. Investigators with, with Houston Police Department's Major Offenders Division believe more people have been infected and say Diaz could face more, <laughs> more charges. Quote, I want this to go to trial. I want him to be exposed for who he is and I want him to pay for what he's done to me and then be deported, the, the victim said. That um, was crazy. I have nothing more to add. Um, I hope she got got justice uh if you are lucio diaz and are listening to this episode um what the fuck my guy i just it's the type of shit those type of freak intentional incidents <laughs> freak intentional accidents almost make you want to start guessing about the circumstances, right? Like, how could this be that that unprovoked? Whatever. We're done. We gotta be, we gotta move on. Okay, we're already fucking 30 minutes in. We gotta move it. We gotta move. So this case is from 1910. Okay. And I don't really need to set the scene as much as my 1880s case, right? This one, we're imagining the Industrial Revolution, okay? the Indy Revy, um, a lot of metal, a lot of gas, a lot of future devastating environmental effects, okay? A lot of child labor, a lot of very much exploitive labor, a lot of, you know, unionizing that was forced to happen later on because people were getting their hands absolutely twisted up in some metal bullshit and then fire the next day. You know the vibes. Um, Obviously, the age of the trains, okay? Trains were fucking popping. Trains were fucking happening. The train companies were fucking monopolizing everything, right? So this case is called Watson versus Kentucky and Indiana Bridge and Railroad Company, March 18th, 1910. In the complaint, the, the plaintiff alleges, okay, quote, while a tank car owned by the defendants was filled with a highly explosive substance known as gasoline, was being transported through a populous section of the city of Louisville, Louisville, Kentucky, over the roadbed of a bridge and railroad company. It was derailed and its valve broken, 
thereby causing all of the gasoline to escape and flow in large quantities on the street and into the gutters. And that from the gasoline flowing and standing in pools upon the street and gutters for hours in the neighborhood of the derailment and into the houses of the residents thereof, great quantities of highly explosive and combustible gas accumulated. And three hours after after the derailment of the tank car exploded with force from contact with a lighted match thrown on the street by one Charles Dewar. Charles Dewar claimed to have used it in igniting a cigar and that the explosion caused by him lighting a cigar over this gasoline that had been sitting there for three hours that was a result of it leaking out of a derailed railroad car. An explosion threw the plaintiff from his bed and almost demolished his house, from the ruins of which he was knocked unconscious and bleeding with a fractured jaw and one cheek nearly torn from his face. He obviously sued because somebody fucked up. Duh. All right. When you have cases like this, even back in 1910 and today, obviously, you want to go to where the money bags is. You know what I mean? You want to go to where the fucking bank account is deepest. And so you uh, that's obviously why you go for the companies. Okay, you go for the companies. They're supposed to be insured. They're supposed to have money to provide for situations like this. Okay, where something that they did, some act that they caused by virtue of them being in business you know, uh, resulted in someone being severely, horribly injured and they should be liable. Absolutely. Okay. It shouldn't be down to the nitty gritty fucking individuals who were just, you know, roaming around, standing around. Um, and obviously the doctrine of vicarious liability, the people, the employees, okay. Who were employed by this company, it's, they're not going to be personally liable. Okay. For, you know, an inspection they didn't do four months prior when it wasn't malicious, it wasn't intentional, right, on this fucking rail situation, and then the train got yeeted, okay? The carous liability means that, you know, the actions of the employee, the negligence of the employees is attributed to the employer when they are in the course and scope of their duties as an employee. There's your little fast track, fun, spark notes lesson in vicarious liability. You're welcome. Anyhow. Okay, so the plaintiff, of course, all right, is uh, is mainly and pretty much 100 percent going for uh, the railroad company. Okay, saying, yo, y'all did not maintain the railroad tracks, the roadbed and the track in a safe condition. Okay, and that resulted and caused the derailment of this fucking gasoline ass train. Um, And then also after the derailment, you said, damn, that's crazy. Let's let it sit for three fucking hours, right? Let's maybe uh, open the hole that that gas is leaking out of and make it bigger. Oh, yeah, they literally did that. The employees were instructed to literally open this fucking hole in the side of this derailed ass train car uh, and let the gasoline flow freely. Let it breathe, as you would say. You know what I mean? Like, like, let it get some fresh air. So they basically just royally fucked up. This derailment occurred at 7.30 p.m. in the evening, okay, between Walnut and Madison Streets. If you know Louisville, Kentucky, there you fucking have it. 
all this gasoline was pouring out, okay? Pouring out into the gutters and the streets, into the homes, okay? People were apparently, I, I love how it says into the homes. It's like people were just opening their doors and being like, come through, like, please. You know what I mean? What? Why? Why were they doing that? Beyond me. Into their homes. Basically, from the gasoline that was literally pouring onto the streets, a vapor started rising like a fucking phantom above these houses a distance of 500 or 600 feet from the place of derailment in the atmosphere people are just sucking this shit in for hours and no one's doing a damn thing at about 11:30 p.m at night charles dewar who with charles miller and two young women designated in the record as the warner girls were standing in front of the warner residence on madison street a square, so a block, they called it a square, a square west, a square west of the place of the accident. Charles struck a match, which he threw to the ground, and this match and its descent came in contact with the gas generated by the flowing gasoline, thereby causing the explosion by which our plaintiff was injured. Basically, okay, the main issue in this case isn't so much, oh, like what caused the derailment? We're kind of knowing, we're kind of aware, right? No one was, no one was really fucking inspecting that fucking railroad, the railroad tracks. No one was doing what they needed to do. Um, and so that is undisputed. Okay. But the issue here is that for whatever fucking reason, the railroad company that didn't inspect, keep, maintain the railroad tracks, which caused the derailment and then subsequently did not fucking get that train back upright and stop the flow of fucking gasoline everywhere very promptly. Okay. They got off scot clean, scot free. The jury basically said, oh, well, the intervening cause, the superseding intervening cause of this explosion was not the negligence of this company. Oh, no. It was Charles being a fucking jackass. Right. And they said, oh, because, right, it's just impossible to reasonably foresee that some guy named fucking Chuck would walk up to a literal swampy ocean pond body of water of gasoline and light a match, okay? The people initially who caused the derailment, just to, these connections are too tenuous, okay? They couldn't have fucking predicted that a dumb fucking idiot would do that. So it shouldn't be their fault. It should all be on Charles. And obviously, as we know, as I already explained, that's not fucking helpful for the plaintiff because does Charles have, does, does Chuck have deep pockets? It doesn't sound like it, right? It's not really sounding like it. Okay, he can't really pay for our boy's ripped off cheek. Charles, okay, testified, our boy who flicked the match. He testified and said, hey, it's like totally not my fault. I totally didn't know um, that that this shit was happening. Okay, I didn't get a warning, whatever. Um, he said that, yeah, sure, I did light the match to cause the explosion. Okay, he testified to that. A bunch of fucking people saw his ass do that. You couldn't fucking lie about that shit. He said, yeah, I admit it. Um, but, 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 it's not really my fault because we were just returning from the park. We were having we were having a stroll. I was with my Warner girls and my boy, my friend who's also named Charles, okay? And I took a cigar out from my pocket and lit the match to light my fucking cigar. Okay, big fucking deal. The explosion that followed, 
not my problem. It knocked me down. Okay. The explosion really blew me off my hinges. You know, I'm fine. I'm totally fine. Like I don't have my fucking cheek blown off. Like my face is still cute and shit, but like, right. Accidents happen. It's not really my problem. It's not really my, it's not really like, right. I'm not a professional in fucking whether or not something, you know, is a gas leak or not. Other people testified about Charles Chuck's version of events. His friends, of course, his fucking friends, okay, corroborated his story, including one of the Warner girls, okay? Apparently, the Warner girls fucking defected, okay? One was like, I'm with you, Chuck. The other one was like, fuck you, Chuck. One of them said, yep, absolutely. That's the story, right? He took out a cigar. He tried to light a match. That's what happened. The other Warner girl said, um, I saw him strike the match, but I didn't see him drop it. So I'm not really sure if there was a cigar at play, whatever. There's that. Another witness, okay, named her last, look, back then they would just identify witnesses in these cases with their initials and their last name. So this person's name is W.G. Schnepp. I'm going to come up with a Wendy. Okay, her name's now Wendy. Wendy. I'm assuming it's a woman. Yeah, sure. Wendy was near Charles and his friends, but she did not see the match thrown. But she did hear a woman call out at that time for everybody to run as someone had thrown a match. <laughs> Already we're getting in some, into some choppy waters, right? For our boy Chuck, for our boy Charles. Because someone who lit a match and lit a cigar and just casually flicked it, it's not really giving scream and run for cover, okay? It's not really giving everyone literally says he lit a fucking match, right? Hit the deck. Why is now everyone like getting a warning about it? Okay, Charles, it's not really adding up. It's not really fucking adding up. My favorite witness, of course, is the lead witness, the star fucking witness, okay? R.W. Pauly, all right, for everybody. She, okay, and I'm just going to call her Rebecca, Reb Maisel, Illy. Rebecca W. Pauly, all right, the fucking bitch who was peeking out of her window, not minding her own fucking business, bird on the fucking wall, okay, bug on the wall, spider on the wall, fly on the wall, testified that she was across the street and within 60 feet of Charles and his buddies at the time of the explosion, that there was an electric light burning just above where they were standing and she could see them plainly. Oh, she's going in. She's fucking pissed, okay? You know you're fucked. If anyone on the stand says, I could see her plainly, you're fucked. You're screwed. She said that neither of the young men had a cigar or a pipe <laughs> and that she saw Charles strike a match against the fence and throw it into the plainly visible vapor arising from the gasoline and that the explosion immediately followed. Ooh, Chuck, it's not, it's not sounding good for you. It's giving bummer. It's giving Re Rebecca just fucking bodied your ass. Rebecca was like, bet my eyes are 2020, baby. It turns out, okay, that they found out through the trial that our boy Charles had been employed as a telegraph operator for defendant Kentucky and Indiana Bridge Company, okay? The railroad company. But on the morning of the day of the explosion, he was fired. He was fired. And that 20 minutes before the explosion, Charles remarked to his friend in within hearing distance, 
of all of the witnesses, including our girl Rebecca, okay, quote, let us go and set the damn thing on fire. Ooh. And so he did. And so he fucking did. Okay. And our boy Charles was ultimately charged with some misdemeanors. Okay. Some misdemeanors for some mischief, right? For like intentional malice, you know, just absolutely lighting that fucking match and throwing it into the fucking gasoline and then everything exploding. Is the railroad company off the hook just because Charles decided to go rogue, right? And, and flick a fucking match. And great news for us and great news for our boy without a fucking cheek. Pellet court, okay, reversed the trial court's holding on this issue and said, nah, okay? It was actually super fucking reasonably foreseeable that someone could strike a fucking match around a literal ocean of gasoline that you caused to be poured onto a residential fucking street, okay? Your negligence was the cause of this fucking tomfoolery. And for you to say that it is completely an intervening, totally random cause of this explosion that would completely absolve you of liability for somebody to just light a fucking match, be so fucking for real. Quote, indeed, it was most probable that someone would strike a match to light a cigar or for other purposes in the midst of the gas. In our opinion, therefore, the act of one lighting and throwing a match under such circumstances cannot be said to be the efficient cause of the explosion. Indeed, the efficient cause of the explosion was the fucking negligence and not keeping your real way fucking legit, okay? Proximate cause, you were still a proximate cause of this bullshit. You are still liable. I know that the, you know, takeaways from this case in a law school class are very much surrounding, you know, proximate cause, intervening acts, da, da, da. I just like it because that motherfucker really testified with his whole chest, with his whole emotion. I'm sure he was putting on a fucking show in a scene that he didn't fucking light that match on purpose. And then they literally had him in 4K on the cameras behind all of these witnesses' eyeballs, all right, saying, quote, let us go and set the damn thing on fire after being fucking fired. Honestly, a slay. Honestly, a slay. This next case, freak accident-wise, is now going to happen 70 years later, okay? Still railroad kind of related, all right? Roadway related for sure, but even more freak accident than I can even say. Disclaimer before I get into this case. If I laugh, it is not because of anyone's pre-existing medical condition. That is referenced in this case, okay? And I'm being serious about that. It's really not. Um, there are so many medical conditions and chronic illnesses that people live with every day that although they can drive with them, meaning they can legally drive while they, you know, their body is still under the effects of that condition, um, it is terrifying. I can only imagine to be someone with a chronic illness that affects your motor skills or affects your, um, you know, consciousness, your capacity uh, to, to drive and have to drive in order to make a living or to go to work, right? People who have POTS, um, people who faint a lot, right? Who, who get very tired, who, who dizzy, okay? Who, who, whose eyes, you know, their, their sight, their vision blacks out. I mean, terrifying. And often 
um, in order to even be able to get a license with conditions like that, you have to, you know, basically certify and say, oh, you know, I'm only allowed to drive or I only have a license conditional uh, on the fact that I am up to date with my meds, that I'm taking my medicine. People who have um, epilepsy, okay, are included in this. It is terrifying to have to live in a world where, you know, especially in the United States, there isn't fucking easy access to public transportation in a lot of places. Los Angeles, you for sure. Uh, and you have to drive. You have to drive uh, and and you it is safe. It is absolutely safe for you to drive if you're up to date and you're on time with your medication, but sometimes it doesn't happen. Okay, and in this case, in 1980, it did not happen. But the issue and the nature of this accident, again, I like I said, is a freak one. Not freak as in like freak derogatory term. Freak as in holy fuck, what the fuck? What are the odds? Okay. In this case, it's called Durdiarian versus Felix Contracting Corporation. On the afternoon of November 21st, 1973, defendant James Dickens suffered an epileptic seizure and lost consciousness, allowing his vehicle to careen into the worksite and strike plaintiff with such force as to throw him into the air. What was this worksite, you ask? I'll tell you. Felix Contracting Corporation, another one of the defendants, was performing a contract to install an underground gas main in the city of Mount Vernon. Our boy, our injured party, our victim plaintiff, Harold, was parked on the side of the road doing construction, all right? Digging, working underground on this main line. There was a big barricade set up around it. Signs everywhere, but obviously the individual who was having an epileptic seizure couldn't see all that. Their car crashed through a single wooden horse-type barricade put in place by the contractor, by the employer, all right? And that car struck our boy Harold and threw him into the air. When Harold landed, he was splattered all over his face, head, and body with 400-degree boiling hot liquid enamel from a kettle struck by the automobile. The enamel was used in connection with sealing the gas main. Although Harold's body ignited into a fireball, he miraculously survived the incident, quote unquote. A literal fireball. A fireball. Imagine, and this is the court, right? Saying, yo, that shit, you were a fucking fireball. Oh my God, that sounds, that's horrible, okay? So so think about this freak accident, okay? Think about the amount of connections that need to be made. One, person decides to drive. Two, person has epilepsy. Three, person fails to or forgets to take their epileptic seizure medicine on time. Four, they are driving. Five, a seizure hits. Six, they lose control of the car. Seven, our boy Harold just happens to be working on a site, on a main line, working underground, having a barricade up, okay, working with hot enamel on the side of the road. I don't remember what number I'm on. Let's say six. Six. The, the individual who's having a seizure loses control of their car. They hit, they go through the barricade, okay, and hit Harold, which is already what the fuck. Not only do they hit Harold, they also hit the kettle 
filled with boiling lava hot enamel just enough so that right when Harold fell and plopped and was thrown in the air, the enamel was thrown on, onto him. What this reminds me of, if any of you watch SpongeBob, the scene, the like wrestling Olympic scene where all of the oil splashes onto the fish in the crowd and they become fish sticks. That is what I'm imagining. Okay. Horrendous, horrible, terrifying fireball. Trial, Harold, okay, our plaintiff Harold, his theory was that the defendant Felix obviously the contracting company, okay, the big, the deep pockets, you guys are catching on. They had negligently failed to take adequate measures to ensure the safety of workers on the excavation site. Harold's evidence indicates that the accident occurred on Oak Street, a two-lane east-west roadway, okay, so a two-lane road, right? And apparently, Harold was instructed by Felix's, the company's foreman, to park his truck on the west side of the excavation. Excavation, wow, excavation the excavation, parallel to the curb. Apparently, the way that the foreman had Harold Park meant that there was a gap of some seven and a half feet between the side of the truck and the curb line. Lame. So basically, Harold testified that he made a request to park his truck on the other side of the hole so he could set up the kettle away from the fucking oncoming eastbound traffic. He was like, why the fuck am I setting up this shit on the fucking road? Why don't I set up on the like the grass? And the foreman was like, nah, bitch, put that shit up. I don't give a fuck. Okay. And like I told you, if you're remembering vicarious liability, who's responsible for the actions of their employees, you are so right. The company. James Dickens, of course, was driving eastbound, the exact uh, type of vehicle that our boy Harold was concerned about. He suffered a seizure, lost consciousness. He was under treatment for epilepsy. Da, da, he, had neglected to take his, he had neglected to take his medicine. His car crashed through that little tiny toothpick of a fucking barrier. All right. Struck the kettle, struck the plaintiff, struck, st- struck gold kind of in like a shitty way. But yeah, um, what are the fucking odds? Someone needs to, someone needs to buy a lottery ticket out of this shit. So obviously, okay trial happens um a lot of witnesses testify as to like oh the safety measures the proper safety measures boring no one cares the jury ultimately found for harold okay woo for a boy harold apportioning liability by percentage okay it's called comparative fault comparative liability this happens a lot in these types of cases personal injury wrongful death not everyone is 100 percent at fault or zero percent at fault okay not everyone's honey p or zero p okay kind of like life not everything is 100% amazing or 100% horrible. Everything is comparative. Some things are 50% a lesson and 50% enjoyable and beautiful and fun. Some things are 60% traumatic, but 40% strengthening. Some things are 98% devastating and 2% for the giggles and the guffaws, for the character development, for the plot, for the ring. You get the vibe. So, in that same way, the jury found for Harold liability at 55% for the company, okay, Felix. So they're 55% at fault, 35% for our epileptic driver, and 10% for another company that was doing something with the fucking animal. Who fucking cares in those, okay? So, you know, if they award a plaintiff a million dollars, 55% of that Felix needs to pay for, 35% of it the epileptic uh, driver needs to pay for and then 10% the other random company needs to pay for. Does that make sense? 
the reason why the driver was apportioned 35% at fault was because of the testimony and evidence and his, you know, essential admittance. Okay. He admitted to the fact that he, him not taking his seizure medicine and then driving was in violation of the law and in violation of the terms of his uh, driver's license. Right. He just, he, he should have done it. Um, and, and he didn't, and, and it sucks, but rightfully so 54% of this liability is definitely attributed to the company. But of course, because companies are fucking greedy and annoying and obnoxious, they appealed and were like, no, actually 0% should be attributed to us because, um, just because that guy forgot to take his meds and just because all these other factors happened, uh, it doesn't mean it's our fucking problem. And of course, from what we fucking learn, that shit, that shit is incorrect. Okay. The court said, quote, we cannot say as a matter of law that defendant Dickens, meaning the epileptic driver, defendant Dickens negligence was a superseding cause which interrupted the link between Felix's negligence and Harold's injuries. From the evidence in the record, the jury could have found that Felix negligently failed to safeguard the excavation site, literally by putting up the two fucking Cheeto toothpicks, okay, to protect it, okay, that the car blew plowed through and for having him literally have the fucking boiling hot kettle of fucking witches brewing potion enamel on the side of the fucking road like please you know what i mean he's so fucking for real um yeah by having all that uh, a prime hazard associated with such dereliction is the possibility that a driver will negligently enter the work site and cause injury to a worker no fucking shit that the driver was negligent or even reckless does not insulate felix from liability nor is it decisive that the driver lost control of the vehicle through a negligent failure to take medication rather than a driving mistake. The precise manner of the event need not be anticipated. The finder of fact, meaning the jury, could have concluded that the foreseeable, normal, and natural result of the risk created by Felix was the injury of a worker by a car entering the improperly protected work area. An intervening act may not serve as a superseding cause and relieve an actor of responsibility where the risk of the intervening act occurring is the very same risk which renders the actor negligent. Serious injury or even death was a foreseeable consequence of a vehicle crashing through the work area. No shit. This injury could have occurred in numerous ways, ranging from a worker being directly struck by the car to the car hitting an object that injures the worker, etc. Placement of the kettle or any object in the work area could affect how the accident occurs and the extent of injuries. That defendant, meaning Felix, could not anticipate the precise manner of the accident or the exact extent of injuries, however, does not preclude liability as a matter of law where the general risk and character of injuries are foreseeable. What does that mean? It means that when you're doing something inherently fucking dangerous and you don't have all the safety protocol in place to be in tip-top shape, that shit is still your fault, okay? These rules governing proximate cause, intervening causes, okay, still apply today, these principles, all right? Same in 1910, same in 1980, same today. That is why companies with a halfway decent halfway awake with a pulse in-house counsel are frantic about following protocol making sure all of their fucking managers do the sexual harassment training on time everyone's filling out a waiver everyone you know has all their buckles fucking in a row it's not necessarily that they give a flying fuck about what happens to you as the customer or the employee right wouldn't that be nice and sweet? No, it's because of the amount of millions of dollars in dinero and money and moolah and cash and cold hard grain that they have and will lose if something happens and even one or two steps out of line 
was there a protocol okay to basically say yo even though this other shit happened to cause this person's harm y'all were at fault this happens often 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 with sexual harassment sexual assault cases that occur where the individual is in the employ of someone right this relates to, you know, oh, the employer failed to do background checks. They failed to train this person. They they knew or should have known that this was going on, did all this stuff. Um, and, you know, it, it does very much relate to being put on notice of an employee, a janitor maybe, specifically, putting his dick in your goddamn water bottle and doing nothing about it. Or, in that case the victim argued oh yeah not only did they not do shit after i was like yo dick in the water dick in the dick in the box um yeah they shouldn't have even hired him in the first place okay that is what i like to call i like to call as if i fucking coined the term that's what we call negligent retention negligent hiring happens all the time okay why the fuck did you hire this fool he had the worst rap sheet of all time potentially for putting his dick in things that were that were drinkable oof the rebuttal for today's episode obviously is that you should always be on your toes always be ready for anything to come your way but i don't really mean that as a warning so much today today i mean it as a blessing a positive Take away from these batshit insane freak accident or intentional dick in a box accident cases that the same way that anything fucking absurdly insanely horrible, your body going up in flames in a fireball situation can happen, the best and most beautiful and most fulfilling and abundant situations can also happen. At any time throughout your life, throughout your day, your life can change irrevocably, forever, or just for a period of time. You deserve it. Stop convincing yourself you don't. When good things come to you, embrace them, whether it be 20 seconds from now or 20 weeks and for however long they last. Okay. I know it's rough out there. Life is rough. The world is so irreversible in a lot of ways, in a lot of dark ways. But the beauty of it is that no emotion and no feeling and no opinion or expression that we ever have about our society and about other people today in this world is one that wasn't also felt by people a hundred years ago, a thousand years ago, 10 years ago about the same society that we have made better in a lot of ways. So take these freak fucking accidents with a grain of salt, I hope that you do not end up as a fireball. But I do hope 
that the great, amazing things that are coming for you that feel too good to be true are just true. I love you. Be safe. Enjoy your week. Thank you so much for coming and listening to the Rebuttal Podcast. My name is Reb Maisel. I am, as always, your host. And for the next three episodes, we are going to get into some way more recent cases. We're going to go into some video game debauchery. We're going to go into, um, you know, the youngest people to ever be indicted for certain crimes. No, it's not fucking murder. Okay, that's boring. And we're going to get, get into some more police work because I love calling those bitches out. Love you guys. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.